What's good, everybody? Brian Strickland, back at you once again with another episode of the Homegrown Community Podcast. And I'm proud to bring to you this week's guest, who happens to be one of my top advisors, one of my main men, and my great friend, Mr. Timothy A. Minor, who is the Vice President for University Advancement for the University of North Carolina Education System. You don't want to miss this episode, particularly for the graduates of the high school graduates of the class of 2020 and those that are currently enrolled in school. Tim provides great insight as to what's going on in the world of academia. So tune in. It's the Homegrown Community Podcast, y'all. Let's go. Here we are. Once again, Homegrown Community Podcast, Effects Media, Action Graphics, TMG. Got my A1 from day one. I'm happy to link up with Tumani and Tim to bring these two guys together so Tumani can see that uh, this homegrown stuff is real for us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've been doing this for a minute. And, um, you know, I'm just really proud of uh, this young man that's coming on. I've seen his evolution and his growth uh, from boyhood to manhood to fatherhood. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm proud to have my A1 from day one, my best friend from way back, Mr. Tim A. Minor, Vice President of Advancement. Is that right, Tim? That's right. Advancement, yeah, for the University, for the North Carolina University Education System. This is my guy. So, Tim, thank you for being on and chilling with us, man. Welcome. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks so much, Tamani. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, like you said, we go way back. We go way back. So, like, uh, yes, man. Uh, All the way to sixth grade. Yeah, like hairlines and uh, hairlines and eight tracks. You know what I'm saying? We go like hairlines and Cadillacs go way back. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But Real. yeah, all the way from sixth grade in band. Uh, right. So a long right. time. Long yeah, time. man. Yeah, man. So you know, um, you know, Tumani is uh is is the linchpin between this whole thing to help us get out there a little bit more. And um, you know, we talked a couple of days ago. Told you what was going on. Just a little bit of the you know the why behind the what and how things materialized and grew over time. But, um, you know, I feel like I would be remiss to not have you on uh, first. Um, I appreciate that, man. Real talk. Definitely means a lot. Real talk, man, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a conversation, so really, you know, this ain't like, you know, um, talking to a stranger. This is to help people understand that, as you say, your net work is your net Worth. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Network equals your net worth. That's that's right. Surround yourself with great people, and great things happen. happen. You put me on. You put me. You put me on game with that yeah. a long time ago. As a matter of fact, my memory even went back to when we were um, at uh, Ruby Tuesdays on Wendover that one time when you were still when you were working in Greensboro, and uh, you were taking you know a nonprofit a nonprofit management course. Yeah. That's right. Telling me about certain things that I would need to be incorporated and articles and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been a progression. You know, it's, it's been hard um, and cool. So I was going to say to mine, I was just going to pass it over to you so you can talk about, you know, the recent growth and what you've seen thus far being, you know, being a part of TMG and Ball's program and a circle back to Tim because then he can talk about it from the origin and what he saw and you know what he's been monitoring from monitoring from a distance. Also being an advisor, you know, to me on the on our um, 
you know, and our staff giving me good advice and counsel. You know, I just like to keep this circle of communication going. So, Jumani, share with Tim some of the things that you've seen and what brought you to want to uh, participate in this project. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, Brian, I've been knowing you, what, it's probably about four years now, maybe three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, first got introduced to Brian through Ball Hogs and, you know, the also sports organization, basketball organization to have my son, you know, work and try out and train with him. And it's been, you know, great. The whole process of him meeting him, I saw right off the bat that he was the type of guy that would be the type of figure in my son's life to kind of show him through athletics and having those morals about community and those things that I can instill in my son, but it's always good to see another positive black role model uh, male doing the same type of thing to give him that inspiration as well. So yeah, I, I immediately latched on to what Brian was doing, his whole mission with TMG, what he was doing in the community. And I was like full head on support from day one. So. I appreciate that. And I, Tim, I want to hear from you about like the origins of that because you were there from day one in regards to his whole, this whole vision coming into fruition, you know what I mean? Coming into existence. Absolutely. Um, you know, my, my story with Brian, my history with Brian, as mentioned in our conversation before, uh, dates back a while, uh, a long while to 1983 uh, when we were uh, sixth graders at Northeast High School, or Northeast Middle School, right, right. and in uh, band class, and uh, went on from there to high school at, at T. Wingate Andrews Senior High School That's on right. Gwen Street. Great and, pride, uh, baby. Great pride. And so, uh, you know, I've known Brian. Brian has been uh, my best friend uh, for a long time, and so uh, have seen his growth uh, and maturity, and I'm proud of the person he's become the leader he's become, the husband he's become, the father he's become. And um, so this was no surprise to me to see where his heart was with the creation of the mind group, with the creation of the ball hogs and his impact, not only on the youth in the city, but the city itself and our community. And so um, whenever I'm presented with an opportunity to, to be a part of something positive like that, definitely want to do something like that. So I've been affiliated with the mind group for a while. Also some videos that Brian, because Brian is a, is a, a performing artist too. And yes. so, uh, so all of that is, uh, has been really good to see, to see in Brian and the person he's become the man he's become. I appreciate it, man. I really do. And, uh, and I can honestly say this because, you know, we, you know, we're moving to some other areas as far as like perspective and, your thoughts on certain things, but I feel like it's important for people, you know, to understand that, you know, this didn't, this just didn't happen, you know, overnight, you know, there was seed sown, you know, there was some watering, some cultivation, and, you know, even going back, you know, to when we became friends, you know, when I came over to the house, it was like, you know, there was never any judgment, you know, there's never been any judgment, you know, from you guys, you know, based on, you know, certain things that I went through coming from a single parent home, you know, being raised with my mom and my grandmother, aunties and uncles and stuff like that. You know, Mr. William, you know, being like the first like real father that I seen, you know what I'm saying? I saw how, you know what I mean? How he was with his families, with his children and stuff like that. This, the minor family opened up so much, opened up their home to me, you know, so, you know, riding around in the Datsun, 
know, <laughs> he stick loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chiquita Yellow Dots in two ten. Boy, listening to Prince, you know what I'm saying? Listening to Prince, <laughs> rocking. Oh, he's still Prince, listening you know? to the same songs. Yeah, man. So you want to talk about a, you want to talk about a collection, a person who look, man. This is the biggest fan, <laughs> the biggest Prince hey. fan on the planet. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah, keep <laughs> yeah it man. And we and we went to the, and we went to the um, what year was the love? That was ni- 1988, October 1988. Man, wow. man, <laughs> to this day, been the best concert I've ever gone to, for real. Wow. Yeah. So I can say I've had that experience of seeing Prince in concert. Yo, it's cause of this man. I think your aunt bought tickets for us, right? I, my aunt stood in line for those tickets at the Greensboro Coliseum. Hey, Rest your soul, Aunt wow. Anne. That's right, oh, man. Man. that's right, man. Rest our soul, man. Rest in heaven, man. That's cool, man. That's so yeah, yeah. So um yeah, it just it just gives me a you know, uh, it's a great honor. And I want to celebrate, you know, my friends and I, I want to support them and let them know that I'm here for them because just through the busyness of life, you know, sometimes we just get, you know, so pinned down and uh trying to keep our focus that uh we don't understand strength in, in numbers and the networking capacity we have. And it wasn't until Tumani had mentioned to me about doing this podcast uh, in terms of building a bridge through our connections. I had a couple of people, you know, that, you know, drop seeds on me about it before. But like I told you, it was, to me, it was just extra legwork for an already, you know, pretty cumbersome schedule. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can take, we got the bandwidth to do anything else. But Tumani was like, no, you know, I'll do it with you. We'll do it together. I feel like this is the platform that you need to try to pull us all together. And for the people that I talk to and that I and that I know, it, it's not like I have to go way up to the top of the tree, you know, to pluck some apples. It's right here in front of me. I just have to take advantage of my resources and my network, you know. So that's why it was important to bring you on, man, so that um, I can say thank you. Uh, I can say I celebrate you. I'm proud of you. Man, let's get this work. <laughs> let's get this work, man. Let's yeah. get yeah. this work. Yeah, yeah man. Real talk, right. real talk. Real talk. No, absolutely, man. That. Absolutely, man. And it's an honor yeah. for me. It's a, it's an honor for me to be with you and Tamani uh, to talk about important issues, um, yeah. and especially in our community, man. I, I tell you what, um, you mentioned, I thank you for honoring my mother and father. Um, two of the best examples uh, that I've, that I've had are my parents and, um, you know, uh, and not forgetting, not forgetting where we come from. Um, fortunate to, to be in the family that I was born in, but really fortunate for the family that was created through brotherhood, through friends that I've met. And so that mantra of your network equals your network is true. It started for me early on with meeting people like you, Brian, and our friends that we grew up with. Um, it's great to see how um, that community in High Point um, afforded just so many great adults and people are doing fantastic things. So uh, let's get this work, man. Let's let's talk about it. Let's do it, man. So, yeah. so uh, Tumani, you got anything you want to add real quick? I'm going to spin it. Not so much add it. Yeah, well, yeah, I was just going to let you run with it. I was just going to say, uh, just kind of give us a little backstory outside of your relationship, you two guys yeah. growing up together. Yeah. But just like in your journey, Tim, like what is what is it about High Point that has outside of your parents, just personally, things you've taken with you that's still with you to this day 
um, yeah. in your journeys and your travel. You know, gr growing up and, and especially growing up at that time period, there was no social media. Uh, we had video games. We had Atari. Uh, mm -hmm. We had Sega. Eco vision, yeah. But we wrote letters, you know, and we uh, we talked on the phone, and so our communication skills were were evident early on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so many things that I've looking back on, I was fortunate enough to be involved in, um, even in the church. You know, learning how to speak in public by going to church and having those um, or oration. Um, competitions at St. Stephen AME Zion Church uh, yes. and 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 from that going to um, high, uh, middle school at Northeast and learning Latin uh, in, in seventh and eighth grade and, and learning the base of language and how to communicate and articulate and spell and or the origin of language and then in high school you know uh, I was pretty good athlete at Andrews um, played football ran track I was fortunate enough to um, be a part of some great teams uh, that won some championships. Um, but also equally important was the education that I attained in high school and the opportunity to do things like debate. And yeah. Brian and I uh, brought home a championship. We brought home some hardwood for yes, the sir. state championship and debate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, and Brian was the lead. I was just, I was robbing to his Batman on that, on that particular uh, um, championship. But, <laughs> Um, so, so having the opportunity to do things, to interact like that in a community that, um, uh, you know, was thriving with teachers who cared. Uh, my biggest influence outside of my parents were my, my friends and my teachers, and particularly uh, one of my coaches, Coach Gill, Craig Gill, um, who saw athletically more in me than at times I saw in myself. And... Um, really made me work hard. And so that hard work mantra, you know, I'm not the biggest guy, you know, only five, six, maybe five, six, uh, <laughs> good days. And uh, at that mm -hmm. time, about 150 pounds, I wasn't the, the biggest uh, athlete, um, but he saw greatness in me. And so um, I, I wanted to achieve that. Um, and so I was able to um, use that athletic ability to uh, to get a Division One scholarship to go to USC Chapel Hill as uh, a track and field athlete wasn't a full scholarship, but it got me in the door. And once I got there, uh, Tamani, I realized, you know, uh, quickly and humbly that I, I'm I'm not a world class athlete, so I, I need to find what my vocation is, what what my path forward would would be. And so um, one of the things that I got from high from high point was that work ethic and, and learning how to set goals mm -hmm. but also number two to that is how to within those goals how to have action plans so anyone can have a goal but what are the action plans what are the steps are you going to take to achieve those goals and so yes. um, being afforded the opportunity to go to college was one thing but once you get there what you going to do with it? Right. And so um, not ashamed now to say I wasn't the greatest student um, my first semester in college. I didn't develop uh, study habits that were conducive to be a great student from high school. Not to say the high school was easy, but I, I wasn't as challenged maybe um, as, I, as I should have been or challenged myself in high school. And so, you know, my first semester, I, I, you know, I was out there partying and doing all the things that, that silly 
uh, freshmen do, naive freshmen do. Right, right. And brought back home a 1.9 GPA. Oh, Lord, why'd I bring Dang. back home a 1.9 GPA <laughs> to William Minor's house? <laughs> what did say, man? man. What did say? Oh, my God. And then at that time, at that time, <laughs> your grades weren't electronic. They got sent to your house. Your mail. Yeah, they were mail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my grades actually beat me to my Ooh. house. So they, uh, they, they were none too pleased. And, you know, um, Thankfully, uh, uh, you still here to talk I'm still here to talk. Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that that taught me a valuable lesson too, in, in terms of how to prepare and so to surround myself with people who, you know, were smarter than me. You know, I had an imposter syndrome. I didn't feel as though I was worthy at times to be there with people who I thought were a lot smarter than me. Yeah, and you know, some of them were. Some more, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. but got to be involved with people with a network of folks who yeah. were able to help help me develop those skill habits and uh, and both professors and, and individuals too. So I'll, I'll pause right there, man. Uh, so that's some of how hmm. I'm growing up in High Point and that work ethic and uh, um, being surrounded yeah. by people, um, by friends, by teachers, by coaches who. Mm-hmm. who believed in me and in some mm-hmm. cases and sometimes more than I believed in myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not for nothing, but having uh, be being religiously centered. Um, mm-hmm. My parents are Advent yeah. Christians. And so they yeah. kept us, kept us at the yeah. church. And those times you went to church, you didn't get home woo, on Sundays for a long time. And at so least two, at least, at, least, yeah. at least two o'clock sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, so, they had to go back. They got to go back. And so being, being centered in, in all, of, all of those aspects really uh, uh, blessed me in, in, in many facets. That's great. Mm. Wonderful. Man, that's, yeah, man. And, and I think that's, you just captured the whole essence of what we want this to be about is, to, is for people, you know, to, um, to share their stories, give the background of like how you had to overcome the doubt and the fear and the um, more times um, the second guessing of yourself and having and having those people around you to inspire you. And uh, I know that's what you have been for me. And I know that um, that we come from a lineage of people that, <clears throat> excuse me, for all intents and purposes, we are responsible to, you know what I mean? We're, you know, we're responsible for, you know, this upcoming generation, but we have a responsibility to the people that laid the foundation for us to be where we are right now. And, um, you know, it took some time, you know, everybody kind of has their time in their season to figure it out. And, um, you know, I, I'm just glad to see that, you know, you're the leader in you. When you talk about what Coach Gill, because I remember those things. He, oh, Timmy, I remember those. Th-. Like, it was like, man, he used to always, like, empower you. And I remember distinctly just from being on those track teams with you, you know, how, you know, you would lead the team in stretching and, leading that four by one relay and four by two relay. You know, it's like, man, that right there, I think was setting you up for something beyond, you know, just your college years. And I see that in you now. So um, talk about it in terms of what you do educationally, uh, you know, with the university system and why you're such an advocate of education. Yeah. So, you know, I I can't start talking about education with the first 
giving you um, uh, a little piece of who I am and where I came came from. Right. So, of course, of course. Uh, my my, um, my grandmother, my father's mother, um, only had an eighth grade education. Right. Uh, her husband, my grandfather, he did graduate from high school. My my other uh, set of grandparents, my mother's parents, uh, had had high school education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my grandmother, eighth grade education, was one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life. And so, um, um, and she worked hard, but she always emphasized education. Now, her, she loved sports. She loved ACC basketball. She was a Carolina Tar Heel fan. Mm-hmm. And she loved WWE wrestling. This, <laughs> that's my grandmother. Um, and so, and so you go over her house, she's going to be watching yeah. one of the two in the four Atlanta Braves baseball. So um, yeah, my yeah. virtue of that, my father, and then on to me became, those became our, our things with the exception of the wrestling. Right, um, right. But, but knowing that, and so I'm first generation, first generation college um, student uh, or graduate. And, you know, that's significant for my family um, too. My sisters uh, both went on ahead of us, ahead of me too. And so that was significant for my parents, for my grandmother, and we wanted to do it. Uh, for that. So got to school, um, was an athlete in school, um, was an average athlete, knew I was going to be, have that as a profession later on. So what was I going to do? And so I started working um, at the behest of uh, some classmates at this place called the Bonathon, which was a center, call center to call alumni to ask for support for the university. Um, That $5, $10, $100, $1,000 type of ask. And I was pretty good. Um, at that time, we had push button phones and cards. Now it's right. all automated. Right. And so I was asked to be a supervisor, uh, applied for a supervisor, and became a supervisor at the phone center after only a semester of being on the phone. And at that time, there was a 35 year old um, new vice, associate vice chancellor who was a former athlete himself in Carolina, um, football quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he kind of took me under his wing when I was a student. And I was thinking about law as a, you know, as political science. And I was good at this fundraising thing. And so he encouraged me and, and wrote the most fantastical tale ever told, which was my recommendation letter. So this is going back, Brian, mm-hmm. to that, to your <laughs> network equals your net worth. Mm-hmm. And so I was using his network and was able to get a job right out of college um, as a director and development at Emory University one of our major private universities. Imagine that 22 years old, going into a director position at a major private institution. Pretty heady stuff. Yeah, that's heavy, that's heavy. That was pretty heady for somebody who, again, had to fake it till you make it uh, a little bit going in and and sort of gathering information um, from people who are a lot smarter than me, which is something Mm -hmm. I've done all my life. So establishing great mentors. Um, went back to Carolina after the Olympics where I saw one of my classmates, Alan Johnson, uh, one of my teammates at Carolina win an Olympic gold medal, which was, which proved to me that I was right. I, I wasn't a world-class athlete, but I ran with some world-class athletes. Mm. So after that 1996 Olympics, uh, went back to, uh, Carolina and started their young alumni program and was fortunate enough to be under this same person who wrote that recommendation. He was then the vice chancellor at, at Carolina. And so I sort of hitched my wagon uh, to him and, uh, and he provided opportunities in Carolina, provided opportunities that led me to eventually, after 12 years, leaving Carolina 
And um, sometimes you got to leave home. You got to leave home sometimes to uh, make your way. And, uh, and so I left home uh, to become an associate vice chancellor at North Carolina A&T. Um, my first HBCU experience, thrown into it right away. I had a good, yeah, another great yeah. mentor, a guy by the name of Mark Keel, who at that time was the interim vice chancellor um, at the mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, really provided a great opportunity. He blocked for me in all the internal politics that were happening at the university wow. while he let me wow. build a program right. um, at A&T. And um, while there, uh, provided opportunities for me to go to the UNC system office for meetings that he was yeah. supposed to go to, but he didn't want to go. Right. So he sent me. Right. So again, I was wow. able to establish additional network networking opportunity. And so yeah. after being at A&T uh, for about five years, um, was asked by the president, no interview, so, uh, uh, was a direct appoint, appointed um, associate vice president at the time, uh, coming in the door uh, to lead what was a new initiative at the UNC system. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes when I say you have to have goals and action plans, um, there were goals, there were no action plans. So coming into uh, the University mm -hmm. of North Carolina system to establish a strategic plan for how advancement was going to be across the system, not just for the big universities like UNC Chapel Hill or NC State, but for those smaller institutions like Elizabeth City State or mm -hmm. Western Carolina or mm -hmm. Um, at UNC Asheville or other institutions that may not be as renowned in U.S. News and World Reports, but are just as important, especially in those regions of our state. And so, again, that was pretty heady for someone um, coming uh, at that particular time, only 41 years of age, and um, sort of building that program uh, for the UNC system. So um, at that time, coming in the door collectively as a system, we were raising a little over $600 million a year. Um, in fiscal year 19, um, last at the end of last year, fiscal year, we were at um, 1.06 billion collectively raised in, in, in that fiscal year, that particular fiscal year. Um, so come have come a long way um, with, with what we're doing in the, in the UNC system. Got promoted to vice president after my first year at the UNC system. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. There it is. That's my dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jumani, what can I say, man? Yeah, man. That's, yeah, I mean, that's incredible. And, and like, you know, I don't like, it's not luck. I don't, luck is winning the lotto, but I, I definitely see your journey as a blessed journey in terms of like the opportunities that you've been afforded and coming come into, like even your first job. What you had mentioned before, like imposter syndrome and, and being yeah. so young, what what was you feeling in those things when you were put in those positions when you had to be a supervisor and you kind of felt that way about hell? Oh, well, am I am I up for this type of job? What what were some of the things that you do did to overcome that? You know, in, in some ways, sometimes you're always a little nervous um, when you're put out there. Uh, you, you think you can do a, a job, but sometimes you have to prove it. And then, not for nothing, as a as a black man, as a minority in this country, sometimes you. Yeah, you are put in positions and you're hoping that you have the support that you need. Um, and, and but others may look at you, may not may not give you that that long of a of a rope right. uh, uh, at times too. So you have to make good and 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 uh, try to try to do those things as best you can. Uh, for me, 
Um, uh, again, I think it's going back to those things that I might have learned early on um, from teachers, how to write a paper, right? So how do you write your paper? You have to give, you have to have that template. You got to get the background. You got to do the who, what, where, how, and how. That also yeah, goes, exactly. goes with uh, strategy. So yes. when I say, you know, to, you know, uh, what's the one habit of uh, someone who's successful, um, a highly successful person, uh, there are two initial ones, and that's setting your goals and having an action plan. So each, where, each place that I've gone, I've uh, tried to come in the door um, with a 90-day plan, um, and that plan includes assessment. Um, whatever changes you're going to make, um, be it with, with personnel or, or programs, uh, try to make them within the first six months because that sets the tempo and the tone for what you're going to hope to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes the plans that you make fail. Yes. So don't be afraid to fail. And yes. because you can learn from failure, too, it's an opportunity to, um, to pick yourself up. Leah said, dust your shoulders off and, and try again, right? And so it's an opportunity to do that and, and try something different from that particular experience that you failed. Man. Awesome. awesome. So, so let me, let me, because you talked about now, if, if I may just kind of give a plug, this is the reason why um, I asked this man to, you know, run point as the chairman of our advisory committee. You know what I mean? Because everything that he's saying now, he was saying five, six years ago when, when I was first checking into the game. So this is, you know, doing a SWOT analysis, having the who, what, when, where, why, and how having all those things lined up so that when you having your elevator speech lined up so that you can come in and just give a quick, you know, line or two to describe who you are, what it is that you do. All these things, man, I think what you just did, Tim, was lay the framework for how we need to restructure some things within our own community because the, because the opportunities are there. You can see it. You're a living witness to the opportunities being there, but What's your, what are your goals and what's your action plan? I think that right there can set a lot of people um, back on balance when they start looking at, okay, well, what is it I want to do next? Or what is this, you know, COVID thing done for me in terms of slowing my life down to help me recalibrate and reset my mind, reset the dial for things that I may have started but didn't continue, things that I wanted to start but I never had the time, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... Can you talk about the crisis itself and what that does in terms of how it's altered any plans or any goals that you may have set from absolutely institution? Absolutely. Well, one of the, I told you we came in with, um, I came in and uh, had to create a, a climate uh, of change that this isn't, yeah. what we're doing now isn't going to be how we do it always. And so one of the things that, that I knew straight off is that we needed a way to have uh, professional development for our 1,100 professionals in advancement across the UNC system. Mm -hmm. So we created a, what is called our UNC system symposium. It's a three-day um, uh, professional development and training opportunity for professionals held every year. And you created this. You created, created this. this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the attendance is about 560 a year. It's our biggest thing that we do in the UNC system for, for our professionals. And um, we had to cancel it. It was supposed to have been in May. Had to cancel it, canceled it in March early on. 
and uh, was a little upset about that. But what can we do with that opportunity? We, uh, I, I listened to my assistant, and uh, she said, you know, let's think about maybe putting some, some of these things online. So I said, you know what, it's a good idea. So we reformatted that whole concept and created an online version of this professional learning opportunity. So every other week we have some national speakers who are training our professionals across the state um, in two hour um, lump, lump times on Zoom every mm-hmm. other week. So we took this, you know, instead of being together for those three days, we're spreading it out over the summer. So that's one example of how, you know, you, you, you know, you make lemonade out of lemons and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you, and mm-hmm. you try to do the best you can and develop a new, new skill sets, new opportunities. I'm now a Zoom master. Mm-hmm. Uh, six months ago, I know, I know what to do on this thing. But, uh, right, right. Those opportunities presented itself too. That's cool. And how, how does the, how does, how does that, um, uh, how's the energy, you know, of course, with it, be, with it being different that you can't, you know, have these, uh, these meetings in person, this event being canceled, the energy, what do you do to keep the energy and the mood, you know, keep people's minds in the right perspective? Yeah. So we, we, we listen to what, what is top of mind with our vice chancellors. I meet with our vice chancellors quarterly at our institutions. Yeah. We talk about those things that they're struggling with, what keeps them up at night, yeah. and talk to those who would benefit from these programs. And so by doing that, and we're having a committee, they tell us what's most prevalent and most needed at the time, and we present the content. We have presenters who are speaking to those things. Right now, we're in a COVID environment, so we're talking about how to deal with donors in a COVID environment, what things we're going to do to get ready for um, for universities opening again. Um, so sort of changing what we would happen or would talk about to something that's more relevant with what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, having to adjust on the fly, having to make the audible. Uh, you know, right. And, and so right. being able to achieve those things to prepare for it. So I know enrollment is definitely a big issue when it comes to um, university advancement, right? Um, uh, in terms of the class of 2020, things being a little bit, I, I put it to you like this, Tim. Um, my wife and I, we've talked a little bit about the impact uh, from an educational perspective that this thing has had as far as uh, preparation, resources, in-person learning, things that may be available at the private sector for a kid that's in private school, but may not, may not necessarily be available to a kid in the public sector, particularly if you're, you know, in an environment where uh, the funding may not be as adequate or you know, resources might not necessarily be prevalent. So in terms of preparation for college and enrollment into college and uh, success along a, you know, a, a career path that, w- that involves going to a four-year uni- university, are there any reservations, hesitations, any apprehensions about going back uh, as far as what the effects of this virus are gonna do in terms of enrollment, preparation, kids sticking and staying like how, how do how do how do uh chancellors and university officials feel about this great question brian and, and i think um our universities now are looking at scenarios and so uh, one of the scenarios that a few of our universities are using as an example is starting about two weeks earlier than they would start not having a fall break and at thanksgiving calling it a semester and so finishing right after at that Thanksgiving break, 
and letting the students, when they go home, they're home until January when they come back. So that prevents an opportunity for spread going back and forth from home back to, you know, campus back home, limiting right. those breaks and keeping the students as much as we can in a, conf in a confined um, situation while they're back on campus. But we don't know what we don't know. This is uh, this is something that's never happened and uh, there's no playbook. So we're depending on not only ourselves and talking through it, but also talking through colleagues across the nation on what are some things that they're preparing to do. Mm -hmm. um, so some of our campuses are starting a little bit later than they, they, they might have started and ending again, no fall break, but ending uh, a little earlier to try to contain or keep the spread at least. And so having dorms prepared for those who um, uh, need containment in those dorms, if you will. And so um, having more online opportunities for students to have online preparation. You know, we might have professors who might not be interested in coming back right now too. So how do you deal with that in those classes? So just a lot of, lot of questions on how to uh, walk through all this. For us in advancement, how to talk to donors who are giving when you can't see them face to face. And so limiting travel and we're only, our de development officers might not want to fly on a plane or be in a hotel. So um, try to look at all those aspects and, and try to make um, judgment calls and recommendations on what we can do. Yes, and I imagine affordability has got to be probably at the, at the top of the list too. Oh, a big thing. Yeah, housing, you know, on campus mm -hmm. housing is a, is a big ticket item, if you will, for universities and as well as uh, athletics. And so what are we going to do without athletics? I think NCAA said if we didn't have football this year, that would be a $4 billion loss in, uh, in revenue wow. uh, for universities across the country. Wow. That's just one sport. So you're seeing other universities narrow their sports offerings. ECU cut some sports yeah. um, this year. Furman, Furman cut its baseball program. Yeah. And so we're, we're seeing some of that as a result of, uh, of what this is doing. Yes, sir. Two wow. money. Well, yeah, we have uh, about two minutes left on this. So, uh, Tim, you just want to kind of close us out with um, just some final thoughts or words that you may have that you want to share that you haven't touched upon. Yes. Uh, maybe some things that you can advise us on as far as this is being our debut podcast. <laughs> you know, I, things that you can. You can yeah, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here and, and chat it up with you, Tamani. But but my main, my main man, Brian Strickland, man, Brian D. Strickland. And so I'm, I'm extremely proud of the work that you're doing, both of you, uh, for our community, for High Point. This is our home. This is where we yeah. came from. And a lot of great, a lot of great people have come so out of High Point, um, both athletically, academically, and who are doing great things in this world. And so we need to take a moment to celebrate that, but also support it, support those students who are, who are looking up to us, who are looking to follow in our footsteps. And so... Let's invest, let's invest our time, let's invest our resources to build up um, what the mind group, what this opportunity is doing for us. And just make a way for those students to, and those young people to, to um, make true of their journey that they have to support those efforts. So thank you, first of all, for all that you're doing. It means a lot. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Spoken from, yeah. spoken from my yeah. chairman. There you go. Well said, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, it was great to meet you, Tim. Hey, thanks for being on the thanks show. Thanks a lot. I appreciate um, you both. Anything, anything, Brian? No, nah, man. Listen, I'll give you a call just a little bit, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Homegrown Community Podcast, man. We appreciate you. Love you. All right. Take care now. Thank you, bro. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in. 
You can listen to more episodes on Spotify. Also follow us on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until then, we'll see you next week.